0: In the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network.
1: Every time I hear the intro, I just keep thinking about how real life it is you know, a lot of instances. Because I do have the perfect
0: amount of scruff. Uh,
1: yes, lack, major, you do. Yeah, Lots of hair. Lots of hair. Lots of creativity, right? I think about the creativity, all that. And it's kind of fitting because, of course, one of my favorite calls is the Juwan Stinson call. That was a Mercer game, right, overtime, so... That's uh, fitting. It's Mercer week. And very interesting. Uh, by the way, Jason is Mike Gallagher. Probably, I'm assuming 200 and some shows in people didn't accidentally stumble I upon this man. I forgot
0: the many. name of the show today.
1: You did. And that's impressive because I'm that guy. Like, that's my role. To forget things and not be the guy.
0: We have done 222 episodes of some show that I have no idea what it is or what we do.
1: 222. Are we doing something special for 222? Probably twos.
0: Not. Throw your twos up. Two minutes, deuces, goes. deuces. Two minutes until we start talking about the actual show. Yeah, going to tell you let's about just keep goes. it going.
1: All right, uh, we will say. Let's, uh, I guess, set it up. We're going to talk Mercer, obviously. Um, fail downs, bold predictions. Fail downs. I Can't wait for fail downs.
0: you love
1: some fail downs? I do. I, I send a lot of them, so I'm, sometimes I'm not sure what makes a cut, and sometimes I'm uh, pretty sure I know what makes a cut. Someone checked to see if I still had a brain, and uh, I felt like both of that today, uh, me and you. Should have checked since you've got the name of the ship. That's okay. Let's talk a little bit about Mercer. Uh, what I find interesting is that ETSU played Mercer the first before Southern Conference play, and they go down there and get just hammered. And then they go down there the next year just because the way the schedule fell, they had to go back down there. The first year got a paycheck, went down there. The next year got hammered. and Then you start to see things turn a little bit in 2017. ETSU goes to overtime. Karan DeLance able to knock the ball away from our Cuis uh, Ervin in the corner of the end zone, which was you know a talented junior versus a freshman. Delent's giving up a lot of size, able to knock it away. Mercer kicks a field goal. And then, uh, of course, Gerald in the opening, the Austin harrington Juan Stinson play action pass touchdown wins to the game. And then the next year, 2018, the magical run, right? You get on there, and Clay Holmes has just a Clay Holmes effort. Two uh, rushing touchdowns, the one-handed grab for a touchdown. And I would love to take one of those touchdowns away from Quay Holmes because it was right before his second touchdown they ran the play action pass to the nose guard, Traymond Farrell. And he juggled it. And I really right. wanted Traymond oh, Farrell I to get the, to the touchdown. Oh. So, Traymond ended up juggling the ball. It was a pretty good thrown ball by Austin Herrick. And so then Holmes scores on the next play. But he had three touchdowns. Jacob Sailors had nine carries for like 90 yards in that game. Then the next year 2019, righty tissue, tough year. They come back to Thomas, uh, Thomas Stadium, Green Stadium, one of those stadiums, Green Stadium, and Quay Holmes sets the rushing record for 255 yards again, lost in the shuffle. Jacob Saylor's uh, about 9.9 yards a carry, or 10 yards a carry again, on just like eight carries, eight, eight carries, 80 yards, or something. So, one
0: of them was four, like a 60 yard
1: or Right, and then the 40, 450 yards rushing, because Noah West, right? That was the first time we saw <laughs> Noah West. He has a yes. 40 yard carry, yes. right? So, ETSU has had great success. It was also the odd interception, Artavius Smith, and the ball was fumbled, popped in the air to, I think it was Karan DeLentz, and ended up picking up an extra, like, 34 yards uh, as Artavius intercepted a pass in the end zone, brought out. it just an interesting game, but ETSU, from the first couple years, where they just were slaughtered in, in those games to, um, and really, honestly, 2016. I say that, that game was actually closer because ETSU, Scored late and then had the ball back, if I'm not mistaken. And Austin Herrick, I think uh, him and Drake Powell just couldn't connect. And then on a third down play and on fourth down, I think the ball was intercepted late in the game. So, actually, I think it was just the first year uh, that they really got um, kind of boat raced. And, again, they got boat raced a lot in 2016. So, uh, interesting to see how the series had gone. This is also the rare where ETSU's only hosted them twice, but this will be their, you know, fourth game down. Uh, in Georgia because, again, they played the back-to-back years when when they weren't in the conference and in the conference. That means uh, that was all against our good buddy Bobby Lamb. And I love Bobby Lamb, not because ETSU had great success against him. Bobby Lamb. But because uh, all the years that he could go back and talk about games when he was at Furman as a player coach in the Dome and anytime you go on the way-back machine. That, Bobby Lamb. Here's the other question. Drew Cronick is a Furman guy. He
0: is.
1: All right, I think Two he, different stints. Yeah, and uh,
0: you know, One for almost a decade.
1: And usually when you fire a coach, and, you know, unless I, I don't understand how this works, usually you go away from that coach, but you get somebody sort of directly off his tree, which is confusing because normally, again, you go opposite. Like normally you know, if you're a defensive team, then, you know, you fire somebody, you get an offense coach, you know, or vice versa. And, and even if it's not that, it's just it, it's sort of the opposite emphasis. I mean, Carl Torbush was a defensive guy. Well, the defense is a good stand. Let's get an offense. Got to be the head coach. You get Randy Sanders. So there's things like that that happen. Tony is offensive mind a baseball coach, you get Joe Panucci's defense mind. So there's things that happen that way. They get Drew Chronic, and there's a lot of Bobby Lamb you see in the offense, but it's Bobby Lamb if you were on uh, a bender in the 70s because one of my favorites. the amount of – I'm going to call it window dressing before the snap. The movement, the line shift. I mean, they'll do something where they'll have one guy on the, like basically a left guard, no tackle with the center, and then like five offensive linemen to the right, and then they'll shift to where it's either unbalanced one way or another or they'll get in a traditional set. They'll run double wing, a flex bone. They'll run a wing T. They, they have positions called jokers. They have a running back, an X receiver, and jokers, and the Jokers are, literally, you don't know where they're going to line up
0: at. Why so serious?
1: It is incredible. Well, it is incredible. What it, but then, what amazes me, Mike, when you watch this, is the pre-snap is all window dressing, then the smoke and mirrors when the ball snapped. They're running everybody every which way, and the goal is I don't think they really block anybody. I think it's just to get many people going in the wrong direction, get some speed guys on the edge, See what happens. And they did that a lot with the run game, and they are getting successful with it. And here's what shocked me last week. They threw the ball for 406 yards, and they haven't shown that before. So I asked Billy Taylor, um, and I'm sure you'll get a chance to talk to him before um, uh, Saturday in your pregame chat and all that when you talk with the coordinators. Like, how much more difficult does that make things? And he was like, well, extremely. I mean, we probably could stay in base defense more because, you know, they're doing so much. If I overcomplicate what we're trying to do, and then they're trying to think about all that stuff and follow keys and assignments, he said. So that's what they do. They, they are just trying to get you out of position. The games they won, they've scored a lot of points. The games they've lost, they've not been able to score a lot of points. So the people that can figure it out and do their assignments are going to be successful. But the other end of it is Mercer has been more and more comfortable running that. And Carter Peavy, the freshman, has certainly looked better and better every week. So I think it is a dangerous game.
0: Here's what I'm going to send you down a rabbit hole of while I talk. I believe this to be the first three-game win streak against the same opponent since ETSU has had football back. You can go ahead and double-check for me. But it was just three me point back win, 20, Okay, three-point win, and then last year, or I guess two years ago now technically, one season ago, a five-point win, the 38-33 to 33 win over Mercer in the 2019-20 season. And I think the Bucs have a good chance to make it four in a row. That being said, just looking at the totality of the season, I can point to, and, of course, I'm going to ran the parade, right, because I like to do that, ran the parade, and then build everything back up. But got pretty fortunate against Samford. Went with Doken instead of Welch. Don't have to play Wofford. Now, actually, that looks like a detriment to you, but at the time, looks like it could be a... Only team had been. I mean, it could have been a good thing, right? And who knows how things would have turned out. Had you played them earlier in the season, they've been down later in the season. Not exactly played great throughout the season, but certainly early on, they still looked like a very stout foe. Um, Furman, now, there were some odd referee things that day that maybe worked against you, right? Uh, you lose the game 17-13. The Citadel, um, you go on the road, tight game, and I think really could have gone either way. Um, you don't run the ball well, 1.4 yards per carry, um, you know, fall behind 14-7, to seven, but you end up winning the contest, one score a game. Western Carolina, end up winning that contest, one score a game. Y- you've won all the games that were going to go one way or another, right, except for the Furman Contest, which some people believe the Bucs should have won, and I think you can make an argument that they should have won that game. And then BMI, you don't have to face uh, Reese Uninsky, Mo- or Southmore. So Sanford and VMI maybe got a bit fortunate. Furman maybe a bit unfortunate. So I think there's a couple of different perceptions around this team. One you could look at and say, yeah, you know, 4-1, and one, I think you should be pretty happy with that. Others are saying, hey, you could be 5-0. and o. Heck, 6-0 and o if you want to play Wofford. And Chattanooga at the end of the season, I know every buck wants to play that game, right, because it's the Mocs. Now, how would things have gone if they would have continued to play during the year? We'll never know. Uh, that could have ended up being a game for the Southern Conference Championship. Again, not sure if that's a plus or a minus. So I'm not taking one side or another. I think there's a couple things that have gone for the Bucs, a couple things that have gone against the Bucs, and maybe things do truly even out at 4-1. and one. I'll say this about Mercer. If you would have told me coming in that without Tyree Devison, they would have scored 35 or more points in half their conference games this year, I would have said you're crazy. Because Devizen is someone, along with Alim Ford for Chattanooga, those were two guys that when the Bucs played them two years ago, you stopped, looked, and said, "I cannot believe that we're going to have to continue to play them for the next X amount of years." In Olin Ford's case, I think he was a freshman at the time.
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> it was going to be three, and it still may be three. Heck, it could be even four more because of free years playing in, and you know, who knows? But amazing, the Bucks have not had to face either of those men this season. I never would have imagined in my wildest dreams that would have been the case. Um, now. With Mercer, yes, they are averaging a ton of points, especially recently. I think they've really hit their stride. Talked with Drew Kronick, who's got a little bit of Dabo swingy to him. I think that he, with the big-picture way that he speaks, and you'll hear this on the pregame show on uh, Saturday, big-picture way that he speaks, uh, lots of generalizations, doesn't want to get into specifics, talks about the coaching staff and things trickling down and the big picture and the pillars of the program and things like that. it's about everything is bigger than the individual person. He's a man of faith, too. So it's just that kind of speaking reminds me of a dabble I think Mercer's back to school, if I'm not mistaken. So, so it, it fits. You know, it, it all makes sense. Um, but talking to Drew Kronick, he thinks his team is just getting more confident. It's very interesting to see how things have gone for schools that have played fall football. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I think it's interesting how it's shaken out for Mercer because we mentioned that with a couple of the schools that did, Western and the Citadel, you saw what fall football fo- football did to them. certainly didn't help them. I'm not sure if it necessarily hurt them, but it certainly didn't help them. Where Mercer, when talking to Coach Chronic, he said, look, we had like three spring practices before COVID hit. And so then you don't get the kids back until, what, July, August? And thankfully we were able to play in the fall because I'm not sure what this team would have looked like in general If we weren't able to play in the fall, I'm not sure if we ever would have looked halfway decent because that kind of acted like our spring ball, our preparation, our way to shake the rust off, get fresh, get ready. And clearly, you can see later on in this spring season, regardless of the fact that they don't have deficit, regardless of the fact that they're not running the ball particularly efficiently 3.7 yards per carry, they're struggling in that facet. All of those things aside, regardless of the fact that Harrison Frost, who I was sure was going to be at the quarterback position throughout the year, He's not starting. Carter Peavy didn't look particularly great for a number of weeks, and then all of a sudden four oh six on the board last week. Throw all of the things you thought you were going to get aside. And throw all of the surprise about Devisen and the fall and the new coach and the start to the spring season. And you've got a team that's four and two. I didn't get the chance to ask Coach Cronick if he thinks that you could realistically get in the playoffs if you went out. That would leave Mercer at six and two, a full Southern Conference slate, which a lot of teams can't say, right, because um, Chattanooga's out, Wofford's out, and that's caused other teams to miss games, but I think they have an outside shot if they win this week and then win the following week, and I'm sure Coach Chronic wouldn't have given me too much insight on that because he seems like a one-day-at-a-time kind of guy, which is fine.
1: And I have not talked to Coach Chronic yet, and I was trying to look, I thought, and I want to double-check this, but he was the offensive coordinator in 2017 at Furman, which was that shootout game. Fifty-six thirty-five. If I'm not mistaken, where? Excuse me. Where Austin Herring set the passing record uh, in a single game. He was. And then, um, uh, and that was an offensive onslaught for Furman. Now that's a different system because obviously Drew cronk has been allowed to add all the stuff, and I don't know if it's because personality feels like right now he has to get all these advantages uh, compared to what it was before. Where at Furman, he kind of they, he was there one year as offense coordinator, and they were coming off a playoff, They did to go back to the playoff. So I don't think he had to reinvent the wheel with what they were doing, and so. But he was creative, and he did create a lot of mismatches uh, in that contest where guys were running just. For, I, I'll never forget, ETSU got so confused on one play they triple covered the third tight end. <laughs> which is a bit aggressive considering the starting tight end was running down the middle of the field with nobody around him and caught a touchdown pass. So, um, has facing four. He's faced Billy Taylor.
0: Ryan DeLuca played in that 2017. How long has he been there?
1: (sighs) Since last year, supposedly. He'll probably play again. He caught passes last week against Mercer, so I'm sure he will. Um, It's free year. Why would you not? Why would you? Fair enough. So, he's played before. He's seen the scheme. He's obviously successful against the scheme. Things have changed certainly since – that defense in 2017, because if you look at some of those games, I mean, obviously the JMU game, they were rolling. Um, I think that was your JMU. You won the NASH championship, so they put 52 points on the board. ETSU gave up 31 to the Citadel, 23 to Mercer, 56 to Furman. Uh, Robert Morris I'll throw away, but 49 to Western Carolina, right? That was a shocker. 31 to Wofford, um, 6 to VMI, 42 to Sanford, and didn't that 10-3 pillow fight with Chattanooga. So, I guess some call it a rock fight. That one, I, the difference between a rock fight and a pillow fight is two teams going at it, really making plays. The pillow fight looked like two teams didn't want to be there. Like that did not. That did not. The real robbery hadn't quite kicked up yet.
0: I remember that game pretty vividly, and there was a drastic disinterest.
1: Both teams yes. were just uh, just ready for the season to be over with. So, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Drew Chronic can do. The amazing thing is Mercer, I I try to check some guys that were on the roster that were pretty good for Bobby Lamb that aren't there and just see what's happening. Now, Devson's in the transfer portal. David Durden, remember the solid receiver kick return? He's at West Florida. He transferred down.
0: Wow, he must be dominating at West Florida.
1: I would imagine (laughs) the 6'2", whatever he was, 215, just I, I would be shocked if he's not. And you know Harrison Frost, and then they've got Fromm, and they got all these other guys that you had saw. Then they get a fullback that we saw in the Kendrick uh, Clark who played at App State he actually got in some three or four carries against DTSU. So you've seen some of that. Brandon Marshall is sort of the five eight do all man. I mean he is. They line him. He's in one of those joker positions. He lines up everywhere, and then they've completed passes to like sixteen guys. And they've sort of shortened the rotation over the last couple of games because only, like, four or five guys are making catches. But there were guys that weren't even playing a few weeks ago that um, are, are getting significant minutes. And I, I think it's, boy, they bought in. They, you can tell they have, you know, I'm sure the guys in the familiar usual suspect guys did not, which is why you're not seeing But a guy like uh, Isla Harris, who's a freshman for Warren Roberts, number 80, he's hadn't shown up until the last couple of games, and he's made two or three big plays down the field. Number five, Fred Davis, joker position, 5'11", 210, sophomore backup. He's getting more playing time and more action. They roll three tight ends in there, similarly to issue. They'll roll a bunch of tight ends and do a few things. So there's just a lot of names and faces that for a Mercer team as I prepare, normally with a league team, there's even with in football, even with turnover, there's still a majority of the guys there. There's not that many on offense and defense. He's doing it with a lot of names that aren't familiar. And one of my favorites is actually have a guy that's over 4,800 miles from home. Their backup safety, who's a redshirt freshman, is from Honolulu, Hawaii. And I don't know how you get from Honolulu to Macon, Georgia, but he is there. But
0: I know plenty of people that would love to go from Macon, Georgia to Honolulu.
1: I, I think everyone. I've been to Macon. My wife went to law school there at Mercer and spent three years, and I assure you, everyone she came into contact with wanted to move to Honolulu or anywhere other than Macon, Georgia. So uh, that being said, we get back a little bit to the game. Offensively, we talked a little bit about them. Defensively, this is the other concern. They run a nickel-based package, for lack of a better term, but it's almost the same thing defensively. They have an undersized – Linebacker playing defensive ends. So just think of it sorta of like now obviously when ETSU walks up an outside linebacker, you got Blake Bakrath who's six six. You got Jalen Porter at 6'2 and two forty five. So these aren't normal linebacker edge guys. Those are almost NFL bigger defensive ends. Right. Yeah. Those are bigger defensive ends that, that can make play. So but Mercer, you're looking at like a two ten, you know, defensive end. And so they're just trying to get on the rush, they're trying to do a few things. Then you look at Harrison Poole, who is a starting safety. They move him up to a rover position, which is a nickel position, but also in run situations, he's a third linebacker. So they've got speed all over the place, which means they are trying to make plays with speed over some physicality, which is why they give up a lot of yards rushing, 186. They're seventh in the league in rush defense. ETSU, I would assume, would have some chance in pushing them around as they have, but they do things schematically differently than what ETSU's gone against in the 3-4 sort of setup in the Bobby Lamb era. And they'll blitz a lot. And seeing what happened to ETSU last week, doing some things, and and probably with Western as well, I I think they're going to stack the box. They're going to try to take away as much as they can. And ETSU showed a lot of two tights last week. So they're going to be able to stay in their base defense a lot. But the good thing about that is now you're getting some guys having to guard, Nate Atkins, Noah West, down the field. And I think, again, if ETSU can get Quahomes going – Jacob Sailors is in the air. Will we see Bryson over this week? We heard last week we were going to see him, didn't see him. So we'll see how that goes. And Brock Landis, can he continue to make throws?
0: I would approach this game a lot like the game, what was it, two weeks ago? Brock Landis's first contest where we threw the ball 16 times. Because while you may or may not have Sailors, you obviously have Holmes who can give you, geez, on a given a week. I know he's been asked to do a lot this season, heck, in his career, but he seems to thrive on it. He can give you 35 or 40 carries in a game. He may need to without Jacob Saylor's. But I do think that it's going to be key for there to be a second back because I would put the ball in the air rarely to never, just like against Western Carolina where you ran it 22 consecutive times to end the game because the weakness is absolutely that run defense. This team creates negative plays, and when you play into their hand, that can kill you. I mean, look at what they've been able to do, specifically against the pass. Firstly, they lead the league in sacks. Now, they played a few more games right, than everybody else, so that does even out a little bit, but still almost three a game. Salomon Tubaru and Isaac Dowling, who's the one you mentioned, 5'11", 210, basically a defensive end, listed as a linebacker, but speed is unbelievable. They're doing a great job in that front six, I guess you would call it, really. It's a kind of nickel-type package. Um, and those negative plays, they've got 13 more sacks and 14 more talk- tackles for a loss than opponents. So when you don't stick to your game plan, when you are not able to run the ball, and what Drew Chronic said is he was, I'd like to have everybody not be able to run the ball. I'd like to make them one-dimensional, make them throw the ball. Well, that's not how this team is built, this Mercer defense. As you said, speed. And that speed can be catastrophic to opponents. But if you're ETSU, use your power. Straight downhill almost every single time. And if you can, again, much like you said with Brock Landis and what Randy Sanders said a few weeks ago, if you can get 25, 30, 40 yards in that read option game or just straight quarterback power one way or another, maybe that's the better way to go this week because that speed can – snuff out a few options, right? Like, speed is going to make up for some misdirection where it can't make up for power. Maybe that's the way you go. On the other side of the ball, ETSU's defense just doesn't give you much anywhere. Second in the league in rush defense, like .6 yards away from leading the league in it. Fourth in pass defense, and I'm not saying, just saying, though, that in 2018, ETSU finished second in the league in rush defense, fourth in pass defense. ETSU beat Mercer that year. They won a Southern Conference championship. That year, in fact, I guess you could say that they, while well, tying for it, you know, took a share. They're in a position right now where you've got two teams that have opted out. If the Citadel were to opt out before the final week, I don't think that's going to happen. They're, right, proud military school, never say die, all that. I think they're going to play VMI, but you're still in a title hunt. You win this game, you have put pressure on VMI, Citadel is playing better. You're right there again in a Southern Conference championship race, possible championship uh, title, once everything is said and done, go on to the FCS playoffs, just like in 2018, and signs are pointing towards that if you look at some of those statistics. Coincidental as they may be, I think the – Don't burst my bubble. No, no, no.
1: I, I like <laughs> – I love when you find stuff like that because I, I look for weird things like that, and I'm not weird, but I like for statistical things to work out in, in certain favors. There's one more. They were okay. plus
0: one in turnover margin that year. They're plus one this year. I'm just saying, I mean, there's a lot of things. Yeah, and so.
1: Mercer is minus seven. They've thrown eight interceptions and eight fumbles in the nine games. So, I'm not real good at math, but that's two a game. So, they are giving away the ball a couple of times a game. Um, and so, EJ's got to be able to take advantage of that. They've been great at playing and doing their job, and the ball's been able to find them because if you're in the right spot, right, good things happen. I think they need to make plays. And when the opportunity's there, uh, PB chunks them up there. Or Mercer's not been bashful about putting it on the ground. ETSU needs to make those plays. They need to hang on the ball themselves. I think listening to Coach Rader and Randy Sanders talk in the hallway about the grading of the offense and basically them saying that last week was their best grade as an offense altogether. Mm. More guys are doing the right thing and on the same page and getting things going the right. So things are coming together, and if they can grow again this week, and certainly I believe then ETSU can get enough stops defensively. My question will be, which ETSU defense to get on the first couple of possessions? Because I sure. feel like Mercer has done a great job watching the last couple of games, great job of designing the first seven to ten plays. VMI did a good job actually talking to Coach Taylor again. VMI, when they had a tight end in the game, it ran 98% of the time. And had a tight end in the game to start the game, and they threw five of seven. Against CTSU caught them off guard and did a good job right. They self-scouted and said, man, we're running every time this guy's in here, right? All right, let's switch it up this weekend. So they did a good job doing that. And Mercer, you know, watching their first several play sets of games, they do a good job of showing you eight or ten different looks, see how you're going to defend it, see what's happening, see what works, and go. And, and certainly Coach Taylor says, well, I know what play they are going to run for sure. I so, said, well, I'm curious, what is that? He goes, well, you know, they've ran reverse pass, reverse pass, screens and all that. They watched the film on the West Carolina game. He said, at some point there will be a reverse pass uh, yes. coming down the field, and I've been working with my guys about, listen, they, they know that play had been open, and it would be crazy, you know, four or five weeks down the road, and nobody's seen it again, to try it again. So he's got his guys at least prepared, but he's like, there's only so much you can do in practice. We can just try to prepare them. You can't really do everything they do, but that's sort of the game plan
0: you're thinking, start for the ETSU defense. Let me throw a couple others at you. The turnovers, obviously big, as you mentioned already, so that's on your end as well. Red zone. And Mercer's offense, 21 touchdowns and 24 red zone chances, uh, or 24 red zone scores, pardon me. And that's the most red zone touchdowns in the league and obviously a great percentage. People want to look at red zone scores to opportunities. I prefer to look at red zone touchdowns I agree. to opportunities just capitalizing and taking advantage of being in the most plus portion of the field. And 21 out of 29 chances, very, very good percentage, up above 70. And the other side of it, they've given up 34 scores in 36 chances in the red zone. So that's a lot, 94% far and away worst in terms of defensive efforts down in the red zone. I think red zone is going to be huge. Obviously, turnovers and start-free-tasty defense, as you mentioned, um, kicking game, and I know Coach Sanders harps on every week. You don't need me to say it, but five for eight in field goals and perfect on PATs, both teams. So matched up in terms of scoring almost exactly uh, when it comes to points, but precisely at five for eight and perfect on PATs. So kicking game plus that red zone for me, defense and turnovers for you, I, I, we kind of sound like Coach Sanders. I mean, he gives those every week. Yeah, so man. I don't know what we're here for, honestly. <laughs> well, that's
1: true. Th- this is the one week I agree yeah, that, right. that This is one of the more basic – Game plans, just because of what Mercer wants to do offensively, and they're going to hit on some plays because they do enough of it that somebody's going to get lost at some point. And, you know, depending on who's in and who's out with some injuries, we'll obviously give you a pregame. We'll tell you who's in and out. We know some guys are hobbled. We'll see. That certainly would hurt if there's less defensive players that are starters. There. Now, we saw Donovan Manuel back. We saw a few other guys. Pinkleton went for a little bit. But, again, with all the speed, all this other stuff, is that really, you know, with that Achilles for Pinkleton, I, uh, to me that's a tough matchup to get him out there because there's so much more lateral as opposed to pin your ears back and go get a quarterback is throwing the ball. This
0: is a pretty small sample size. But last thing I'll say, Andrew Chronic, you talked about buy-in, and I mentioned now uh, he's a little bit like Dabo. Not meant to be insulting because, really, he has gotten that buy-in. You know, Dabo extremely successful um, in terms of, obviously, the way that you speak, but also that the results that they've gotten, they seem pretty similar because chronic in four seasons at Reinhardt and Lenore Ryan, 48 and six as a head coach, obviously four and two at Mercer, sets, that's 52 and eight as a head coach. Never has lost more than two games in a season. They've got two losses right now, and obviously rolling, having won three in a row. This is going to be a really good ball game. And what do you know? Probably one score. Game.
1: Maybe. We'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's going to be our breakdown of ETSU versus Mercer. Six o'clock kick, 430 pregame show here on the Buccaneer Sports Network. When we come back, fail on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Brought to you by Home Trust Bank. Over the last 70 years, Johnson City
0: Thing, hard in this intro, yeah. yeah. Something ain't right. Fail down. One of my favorites. Not the right segment. Don't care. Fail down. Failure is everywhere. You fail. I fail. We all fail. And you get a failure. I get a failure. Let's fail together. First fail. An all Southern Conference related edition of Fail Downs. Okay. The first one. We've had to wait too long to talk about it. Mark Prosser, oh, baby. going to Winthrop. Now, here's what I'll say before you absolutely destroy the hire, because I want to do the same. Okay. If B.J. Mackey did not get an interview for this job, and even if he did but didn't get the job, the fact that they could possibly have chosen a man that has five and twenty-three, seven and twenty-five, and eleven and sixteen records on his resume in single seasons, and has won more than four league games in his head coaching career just one time. And hire that man over BJ Mackey, who is going to be an unbelievable head coach somewhere someday, and it should have been right now, is absolutely astounding to me. Mark Prosser hired at Winthrop, one of the winiest mid-major programs in recent memory.
1: I mean, his only other stint as a head coach was Brevard.
0: Five and twenty-three for one season, he ran for the hills.
1: And that is near where I grew up in Hendersonville, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, You're ashamed fine. as a man of the area. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, the only thing I can come up with is w- he was an assistant at Winthrop, and his last name is Prosser. Other than that, I have no idea why he's hired with a 411 win percentage. Is all well, that, That's even that's even high. It's a 356 win percentage. I want to add in the D2. Mm. And, oh, my goodness, conference is – under 300. Okay. So, great, great, Winther. Um, national power, you know, winning all those games, going to the tournament, and all that. And congratulations on never winning anything ever again in your entire life. I think Winther up is, is that a good stance for you? But will, win will they win one year? Will they win one year and then go? I mean, my goodness, you can go all the way back to the Greg Marshall days in the, what, late 90s, early 2000s and just my goodness
0: uh, let, let's do ex- exactly that uh, let's see NCAA tournament appearances in 2000 thousand 2001 two five six seven eight ten a little bit of a break Slow down. 17 twenty 21 and you want to hire a guy yep that didn't have a win in a conference 2021 season until there were like two games left in it or maybe they won one along the way. I can't remember. Were they like one in thirteen? And they beat UNC. Okay, let, they let me, 13, me. So just get whatever. So how one many went d-
1: to zero? How many tournaments did they go to between twenty, thirteen, and eighteen? One. Yeah. The seventeen trip, right? Yep. So he was the associate head coach on the seventeen, and the other years, not. I, are they riding high on the associate of seventeen? I guess that's all I can. So do.
0: in the last twenty-two seasons, they've made one tournament with him, and that was what a five-year period you said. 13,
1: uh, thirteen, eighteen. yeah.
0: They have made 11 without him in 22 years. And they hire Mark Crossman. The man should be lucky to have a head coaching job anywhere.
1: Great agent. Let's just go over that. Great agent. All right, we are completely. This is a flaming Second fell down.
0: Fail. I now count 50 coaching changes across men's basketball.
1: At COVID? 50.
0: COVID. 5 0. Now, that is the interesting thing. Before we get into the, the list, I'm not going to run the, over the whole thing, but we're going to pick out a few that we have to pit each other against in fail-downs, what's worse, what's the odder move, stranger move. But do you think this is people having delayed their choices an extra year because they couldn't, in their right mind, get rid of someone last year? Has to be some of it, right? Pro-
1: probably this is a two-year, and probably most guys – most guys were probably fired because they couldn't get fired last year. That's probably fair to say. And some, maybe it's a combo. Like, you know, well, you know, I don't know. Maybe we, maybe we should hang on to him and then have another bad year. Yep. All right, that'll
0: do it. Because fifty is a big number. So, yes. It's almost fifteen percent of yes. every Division One coaching job that's out there. Agreed. Does Mark Prosser top the list of most head scratching moves? And again, I'm not saying head scratching just for the hireer, but let's talk about the hiree as well and i'll give you a couple and, and you can pick one of the okay. list so winthrop why hire prosser that's number one four other options Shantae Leggins to portland from eastern washington why shante who just went to the tournament go to portland who won 43 games in five years matt Figger, former austin p head coach four straight winning seasons there takes the job at Texas-Rio-Grand Valley, who have back-to-back losing seasons and are in the whack, certainly a less prestigious mid-major conference than the Ohio Valley. Earl Grant gets the once-proud Boston College job, goes from a documentedly bad basketball conference in the CAA, somehow gets a Power 5 job when he went to the NCAA tournament just once in seven seasons. They're off a losing season, as a matter of fact, haven't made any postseason since 2017-18, College of Charleston, where he came from. But Grant, hired by Boston College, so that's a head-scratcher from the Boston College side, and obviously, the figure job is his head scratching. Like, why would you take the job at Texas Rio Grande Valley? And finally, just a couple of days ago, Tim Miles. Great, yeah, good boy. Great get for San Jose State, but why in the world would Tim Miles take this job? They have one season of double digit wins in the last decade. So, Miles, what are you doing? Boston College, what are you doing? Former Austin P. head coach, Matt Figger, what are you doing? Shantae Leggins, what are you doing? Or Winthrop, what
1: are you doing? Do I, am I going one through five?
0: Oh, I would love that. I was just going to have to pick one, but please, if there's a one through five.
1: Yeah, I think the number the, the least head-scratching for me is Tim Miles. Really? It is, because, A.
0: Out of coaching for a year, is that why? You just I, wanted anything?
1: A, a, and he was a chronic interviewer that wasn't getting jobs. So, at some point, mm. you got you got to take a job. So, somebody has to, right, if you buckshot the field for somebody to go to the prom with you, the first one says, yes, you just go, right? So, I think for me, I I don't know what to talk about, probably. Uh, So, I'm going to go, that is less head-scratching. The, oof, the next one, uh, Shante Liggins would probably the next one, and the only thing I can go with, and I tried to look a little bit up, but I couldn't find anything definitively, was something had to go on where they weren't, to me, they weren't supporting or giving him, whether it was money, recruiting, something there wasn't getting funneled back towards him. And it doesn't necessarily mean his pocketbook. It certainly helps if you get more money, but something else there was holding back. So, and I didn't check his records previous to that. Maybe there's an outlier. He knew something was going on. Again, I don't know, but I'm going to go there.
0: That's your second least. Surprising? Se- second least. Okay.
1: My third one would honestly be figure because
0: that's just the strangest of all. I think for me, oh.
1: I think that your Austin P. You're you're not going to win the Ohio Valley. On a normal basis, because there's just a, I mean, honestly, it still runs through Belmont and Murray State, and you're going to continue to struggle through that. And Austin P isn't going to pump the money into the program. Now, I have no idea what Texas Rio Grande Valley is going to pump in the money. But the other thing is, there's a lot of guys that are chronic, just restart the clock guys. So now that he goes to a new job, got a new five year deal. Don't have to worry about it. Austin P. You know, if he does okay again next year, are they going to say, well, when are you going to a tournament? Morehead State went to a tournament. But there
0: have been there. 50 open jobs. Like, this is the best he could do?
1: Don't know. Oh, man. Maybe nobody's impressed by Austin <laughs> Apparently not. <laughs> so, then, from there, Mark Prosser's too. He oh, has – and the wow. only the only, the only reason is because he had coached <laughs> there. He had coached there, and his last name got him the gig. And that's not shocking. He had been there – Maybe he knows the AD. Maybe the AD was his roommate, was uh, his dad Skip in college <laughs> okay. or something. I don't know yeah. about. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. But then the Earl Grant, because I know, I've been following College of Charleston. Ever since they left the league, I've loved to crush College of Charleston because they were always so uppity. And I think they went to one tournament. Um, 2017-18.
0: Uh, or 2016.
1: Well, no, no, even when they were in the Southern Conference. Oh, were the they Southern were Conference. so oh. uppity in the Southern Conference and so much above. And I think they went and the only time they went was when ETSU Tissue wasn't in it. And then I used to troll them and say, Well great, we're not in it. He finally gave the tournament. Congratulations. So um, and they even moved the tournament to North Charleston Coliseum to help them and they still couldn't do it and I still continue to crush them. So it would be that terrible, um, at a place that you should win, like everything there that city you live in, the academics. The money they pump into it. The arena is ridiculous. It's downtown. Everything about it is great. And you can't do anything with it. And then you land a power five. Because the biggest shocker is this is a power five job. So I think just by two things, one one a lot, but it's a power five, I think that's the biggest upset.
0: Before we move on to third fail, jobs that are open, and the most recent one, I think another fail could be what took you so long, Arizona. Mm. But Sean Miller yesterday about three minutes after Kevin Brown said, I wonder how long Sean Miller's going to last Arizona. Goodman has the tweet. Arizona's open. Bethune-Cookman, because Ryan Ritter uh, took Correct. the – What job did he uh, Martin, UT Martin. UT Martin, that's right. So Bethune-Cookman's open. Central Connecticut State, Central Michigan, Delaware State, Eastern Michigan – I think IUPUI is open. Byron the II was the interim there. They may just be going with the natural, natural search, and they may end up hiring him. UMBC is Ryan Odom's gone. Uh, the only other one I see is, uh, well, obviously now Western Carolina, but UTEP. So Rodney Terry is no longer there. Boy, he, I think, yeah. went to Texas as an assistant. Is that right?
1: Yes. The uh, but, And I like Rodney because I got a chance to spend some time with him down at that tournament. Um, the Sun Bowl tournament we went to a couple years ago in El Paso, but when he lost to Norfolk State in his own tournament, let me tell you, they were turning on him very quickly. <laughs> it you, did not so take long.
0: Not a lot of great jobs out there. Obviously, the Arizona one is phenomenal, uh, but yikes, that's an interesting one. Third fail. Isaiah Miller hires an agent and enters the draft, but no, it is not a fail on Isaiah. I don't think you or me would say any bad things about Isaiah Miller. Wish him all the best. Heck of a player. No. Uh, what, well, oh, no? Honestly, A.J. Caldwell, just a heck of a shot by a heck of a game. Insert Isaiah Miller there. I'm sure you think that. that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I, I, I responded to his tweet.
0: Phenomenal.
1: I don't respond to anybody's tweet. You know that.
0: Great player, and sad to see him go at the Southern Conference. The fail is Wes Miller. Someone check to see if I still had a brain. I love Wes Miller.
1: And I get to Strikes see more out. of them. I get to see more Strikes
0: of them. out with the North Carolina job and is rapidly, as we mentioned with the jobs that are open, rapidly running out of options before UNCG takes what seems like it will be an inevitable step backwards next year. Is this panicking Wesley Miller that Isaiah Miller has now hired an agent and will not be back?
1: I Here's where I think he's still okay. Hubert Davis is not a spring chicken and North Carolina's had a hard time promoting the assistant coach to take over and do well. And they've done better whether you look at well I guess it's not that amazing Dean Smith, right? Larry Brown, Dean Smith and Roy Williams, but they they went Mark Guthrie right? and absolutely (laughs) it is. Mark Guthrie, right, was the guy that uh, was uh, right behind Dean Smith and then he went, uh, my guy uh, Matt Doherty. And then they went from there to Roy Williams. So they have, I mean, that's the last five coaches. And that's like a 50 year, whatever, you know, years of coaching there. Hubert, you know, went from TV back to coaching. He, again, he's a fairly older guy. Carolina is impatient. If two or three years of this goes bad like Guthrie, they will move on. So Miller has a shot. This isn't his last gasp. It certainly knocked him down a peg, but it's not his last gasp. And does does he now think? And this is where the conundrum comes in. Does he now think he has to go somewhere else to right. impress Carolina, That's what or I'm does he stay in the backyard he and try to win another?
0: He can't because do you really think that with what UNCG has, he's going to be able to win at a high enough clip for another two or three years? Certainly, this upcoming year to be able to still be at the level for the two or three years needed should it be two or three years with hubert davis for north carolina now things could go great for unc and hubert could be there for a long time let's say it goes your scenario two or three years moving on can west miller win at uncg during these seasons it seems tough with what they got right now
1: it does um but when he, you know, he was bad for about six years before he figured it out. So I don't know he's gonna. I mean, he's lost a lot. You really think about from from uh, R.J. White, Deontay Baldwin, Demetrius Troy, Jordy Kuyper, Marvin Smith,
0: Francis Alonzo, James
1: Dickey, Isaiah Miller. He really had a special two or three year group of guys. So. He's got a transfer, I think, already coming in. So, uh, I think next year will be a step back. I don't know if that's like the nail in the coffin for a while. I just think, you know, a year or two, a couple years. I, I, you know, he's a smart guy. He'll figure it out. I mean, he's got a formula that works. And so, if you can just find, like, he's a system coach. So he can, if he gets the right guys for a system, he's going to be very competitive. If he doesn't, and the, the transfer portals change the world because. You're not stuck with guys three or four years, you know. If they don't work out or they're not stuck with you, they go. So, I think in today's world, if he's bad for a year or two, he could come back in year three and have a good season.
0: Fourth fail. Tacking on to third fail. The Friday news dump of Cincinnati starting their men's basketball investigation, and this is a couple Fridays ago, the night before the Sweet 16 it's when they put this out. Most recently, just a couple of days ago, they put – John Brandon on leave their head coach the SoCon connection how about the man that we just talked about is this the perfect job at the perfect time for Wesley Miller to get out not worry about what he's got at UNCG he's won extensively impressively over the last five years after the first five years were no good he turned it around he's a hot name it's not power five but it's group of five it's a perfect middle ground to then in three four five six seven years go and get the much coveted much desired unc job
1: that is a brilliant take because hey! that job has can propel you absolutely that job can also get you to a final four i mean that job i mean they can get the right guys it's a good enough city that loves basketball they got tons of money at Cincinnati. And that would be a great stepping stone for Wesley Miller if this comes shaking down. It's not that far from North Carolina, right? So he's, he's also still in the southeast. Deceptively close. Technically, I don't know if that's the southeast, but he's still east. We'll count it. So it's only, what, six hours from Chapel Hill. So he's right there still in the backyard. He would be doing it at a higher level. I think it would be a brilliant move. I don't know that he does it because I, he, just, for some reason, just believes if he stays there, somebody's going to let him. Live in his house and go coach an hour down the road.
0: Now, first things first, John Brennan does have to get fired. Technically, but, he hasn't been fired yet.
1: He has not. But uh, I do enjoy uh, anytime we talk about John Brennan and anything going bad from his Marshall Day, so I'm fine with that.
0: Placed on leave, might as well be your first foot out the door, correct? Has anyone come back from leave? Like, is anyone like, oh, no, he's back from leave. It's all good. Willie Wade. Willie Wade went on leave and came back.
1: He, he did coached the tournament. He was gone for the last 14 games of a season They he met in the summer. Magically, he's back. That's true. Yeah. So Will Wade that. apparently can.
0: What's the hope that people just forget that you were gone? That's probably not a great indictment on your character. Oh, he's back. Where was he? Ah, uh, yeah, I think there's some about, about. What
1: was the quote? The his agent when <laughs> his agent said something that he had. Uh, uh, it's an internal investigation by the AD, and if anything he's learned is that those are uh, mishandled every day. Or oh something yes. Like yes, Just it a just yeah. a thrashing of the <laughs> AD internal investigation. It was anything great. i enjoyed I've that.
0: learned about internal investigations by the AD? It's they're often mishandled. Wow, not doing yeah. himself any so favors if he wants to keep that job. I, I guess not,
1: but he wants to get paid, and that's really what it's Fair about. Enough. All right, let's do a bold prediction and wrap this show up. After this time out, Sando Saki, Buccaneer Sports Network.
0: This responsible gaming message is brought to you by the Tennessee Lottery. When you play the lottery, it's important to play responsibly. Know your limit and spend only what you can afford. Set a budget and stick to it. And remember, as long as you're having fun, you're always a winner in our book. The Tennessee Lottery is a proud supporter of National Problem Gambling Awareness Month. To learn more about problem gambling resources, visit tnlottery.com.
1: Tom Brady won't make that mistake again. Antonio
0: Brown to Tampa. Absolutely not going to happen. Play Thompson, comeback player of the year. Calling it right now. The season Jim Harbaugh is taking Michigan to the national championship. There's just no doubt. The Southern Conference will be playing football in 2021. L-O-L. Steve most certainly, will be back in the blue and gold. Wait for us in the news. Uh-oh. Randy Childers. Oh, boy. There's an opening. What you just Woo. said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard.
1: Maybe one show we can speculate on which ones will make the cut next time. Because <laughs> we have some bad takes going
0: predictions. Uh, ETSU has blocked eight kicks or punts since the return of football but they haven't done it in the last two seasons if you include this year. Go back to my kicking game key from segment number one. They will block a kick or punt this weekend. And to call a kick or punt being blocked, I think you'd have to give me a pat on the back, maybe a couple extra points because that is very difficult to do.
1: It'll be one point. Uh, Let me tell you what I like. It's been 1,253 days between two score wins. Wow. 14 or more, not just two score, 14 or more, ETSU beats Mercer.
0: Bulldogs mounting momentum straight-up win at home against Furman.
1: Ooh, I like that. Uh, I'm going to go Jordan Spieth. Everyone's on the Jordan Spieth train. He will finish outside the top 20 at the Masters.
0: As we're recording this at about 10 a.m. before everybody tees off, so hoping that I am finally going ahead of the guy that I've loved for so long. Hideki Matsuyama is finally going to break through. I look at he's 29 years old. I was looking at this yesterday while I was putting this together. 29 years old. I thought he's been around forever. Hideki Matsuyama, you're a winner of
1: the Masters. All right, Jason uh, Kokrak. He is going, he's three straight tournaments, top eight. I'm going to go top 20 for a guy that got cut last year, one even in contention.
0: Oh, the Masters, a tradition unlike any other.
1: Back after the weekend. Back to the World Network.